Uh, if you, uh, again, are catching us for the first time online or you're new, uh, we have been spending the last year plus walking through the book of 1 Corinthians and at the heart of the message of the whole book of 1 Corinthians is it's really found in chapter 1, verse 10, where Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, so that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Come on, Paul. Really? perfectly united in mind and thought. That word there, as we talked about a long time ago, and I've referenced a number of times, united could be harmony. Uh, but still, um, Paul is holding the church in Corinth to this really high standard. As a body of believers, be united. Okay? Let's, let's make that a priority for the church this challenge that Paul made is something that our Savior, Jesus Christ, prayed about and prayed for. And we see that in John chapter 17 where Jesus in his prayer, he's praying for his disciples who were following him. And then he says, my prayer is not only for them, but I also pray for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus' desire is the church be one, just like the Father and the Son are one. Again, standard people way up here. I don't think Jesus' picture is that we kind of get along. Because I think the Father and the Son more than kind of get along. We, we are to be one. And here's the reason why. Not, not so that, you know, we look good or not so that there's no arguments or there's no discussion or there's no differences of opinion. We are to be a one so that the world may know that the Father sent the Son. That's the reason. That's why it's so important for us <coughs> to do the hard work of being one is because when we do that hard work together and the world out there is divided, they're going to go, so how do, how do they do it? And then we just go, hey, <laughs> it's Jesus. It's the Spirit of God working in us. I mean, we're, yeah, we're doing our part, but seriously, to be, as Paul says, uh, one mind and one thought, to be united like the Father and Son, mm, that takes some divine stuff. So that's, 
That's 1 Corinthians. As you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, that's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to help the church be one. Over the last couple months, we have been in chapters 11 through 14. And I've titled this section, The Power of And, as you see up on the screen. And uh, the focus for me of that is chapter 14, verse 1, where Paul tells the church in Corinth to pursue God and earnestly desire the things of the Spirit, especially that you prophesy And when I talked about this a few weeks ago, if you remember, I I really focused on the word and. And sometimes it's the little words in the sentence that makes a difference because it isn't pursue God but earnestly desire the things of the Spirit or pursue God then, it is pursue God and. And for me, there's a number of things that are in the Bible that are and that we like to separate out. One of those is just uh, a simple example is um, Paul tells us in Ephesians that we are saved by grace, right? But then he also tells us later to work out your salvation. So Paul, which is it? Are we saved by grace or are we supposed to work out our salvation? Yes. You are saved by grace and... Work out your salvation. Grace and truth. Well, is it grace or is it truth? Yes. If you have all grace and no truth, you have everybody running amok doing all kinds of stuff. But if you have all truth and no grace, then you have a law-driven thing. So it's grace and truth. And in this section... As we are looking at chapters 11 through 14, it's, it's a big and here. There's a lot of and. It is love and it is earnestly desiring the things of the Spirit. In June, we've been sitting in chapter 12. The first three verses of chapter 12 are really focused on being Spirit-led equals Intimacy. If, if your desire is to be Spirit-led, then you need to have an intimate relationship with the Father. I mean, the Father and the Spirit are kind of united. They're kind of together. And we have to be intentional about building that relationship with the Father through the Son because the only way we can be really Spirit-led is if we have an intimate relationship with the Father. Verses 4 through 11, where Paul talks about the different gifts of the Spirit, I focus mainly in that section on this, that God empowers, we build up. Paul lists the different gifts, but then he also says that there are different kinds of gifts and services and works, and God empowers them all. So we have to remember that. All that stuff, God empowers And then we build up the body. God empowers us to use our gifts. He empowers us to do different works of service. He empowers us so that we can build up the body. Verses 12 through 26 where Paul talks about the body more. 
my main focus was the body, you and me, and Paul was wrestling to, with two wrong statements and thought processes that were happening by the church then. The first one is this, I don't belong. People were saying, I'm not needed. My gift's not that important. And Paul says, God placed you. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you are gifted by God, and God has placed you in the body. You belong. The second false thing that Paul was talking about is this. I don't need you, is what some people are saying. I, hey, I'm God's gift to the church. Right here. There are some that feel like the church is going to fail if they're not in charge or if they don't belong or if they're not up front or whatever. Paul says to them, um, nope. If you're the hand and you say you don't need the foot, how funny was that going to be? And remember I had a picture of Mike Mikowski, you know, big one-eyed from uh, Monsters, Inc. movie. There are some parts that seem less than others, but they will receive the greatest honor. In other words, those that serve behind the scenes, in my opinion, those that spend years serving God with not much recognition or whatever, they just keep serving, those are the ones that, when we get to heaven, are going to receive the greatest honor. That brings us to our text today. We're going to look at verses 27 through 31 of chapter 12. The words will be up on the screen, or um, you can open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God is placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, Third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. Part of the problem that Paul addresses here in chapter 12 and brings to conclusion in these last few verses is that the people were being divided over spiritual gifts. Surprise, surprise, right? Something that the church today has never experienced. And part of the problem was this. They were desiring certain gifts. You see, the church at Corinth, like most people or most churches, were elevating certain gifts and saying, oh, these are the most important gifts, and because I have these gifts, then I'm more important to you. It's kind of what the church has been doing with almost everything in First Corinthians, I mean, they elevated people, right? Yeah, I think Apollos is better than Paul. Or No, I think Paul is better than Apollos. 
go figure, right? Let's elevate somebody or something. It's, it's like uh, what they did with coming to the Lord's top, table, communion. They were like, uh, you know, those of us who are wealthy and are, have higher status, we're in this room and we're going to start. You guys are, are all over there. So it's not a surprise to us that they should be elevating certain gifts. And as we look at Paul's next few remarks in these verses, we, we need to remember that's what Paul's addressing. A church that's saying, yeah, these gifts are more important than these. And the first thing that Paul says, as we saw in verse 27, is this. Remember, you are a member of the body of Christ. One more time. I mean, that's what he's been saying all through chapter 12 when he's been talking about the body. But one more time. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You belong. You are in. If you feel anything else, if you feel like you don't belong, that is a lie from Satan. Because the truth is, you belong. Now, maybe your circumstances right around you right now Maybe it makes you feel like you don't belong, but you belong. You are part of the body. Then We need to have a conversation about how we make you become part of the body more, or how you feel more like you're a part of the body, or you're serving within the body. But the, the truth is, you are the body of Christ, and each and every one of you has a part of it. Paul continues in verse 28... By saying, know this, God appointed. God has placed in the church or appointed people with certain gifts for certain responsibility. God has appointed. They are gifts because they are gifts. It's, it's that simple. God has given them to you. God has given you a gift. And since there's a whole bunch of different gifts, and since all the gifts are necessary, we need each other. I need you. I mean, I, I don't have all the gifts. This church needs you and the gifts that God has given you. All have their place in this body, and all people with all gifts share the same status in Christ. N.T. Wright says this, he says, The point is that the gift is God's gift to the whole church through the individual who has received it. I love that. I mean, let's, let's, we, a lot of times we have the problem is because it, it's, it's my gift. I want this gift. I will feel better if I have this gift, or I will fit in if I have this gift. And T. Wright is saying this. Ah, 
God's gift is to the whole church through you who has received it. The gift you have is not for you. It's for the body. The gift you have has been given by God to you for the whole body. This brings us up to something I wonder if Paul is saying to the church, and that is this. What is important to you may not be important in the kingdom of God. Because you see, Paul says that God appoints or God places, and then he seems to, in the next few verses, list them in some kind of order. And this, this order is important, but sometimes we have priorities in our own mind. These are most important. But I, but I wonder if what is important to me sometimes may not be important in the kingdom of God. And I, and I wonder if this whole idea of spiritual gifts and wanting gifts and what God has appointed is if sometimes we get our mind off the kingdom and we focus more on self. So as you look at verse 28, a theologian by the name of Thistleton, A.C. Thistleton, wrote this about verse 28. He says this, the, this verse is an exegetical and lexicographical minefield. Well, there's some big words, right? I just put that in there because I wanted to show you I read big words every once in a while. <laughs> Exegetical or exegesis is where we study the Word of God, discover the meaning, and exegete or bring it out and discover the meaning in there and bring it out and take it into our own life. Lexographical is really a fancy word for a dictionary and finding meaning. And so what Thistleton is kind of saying is finding meaning to this passage and defining the words and what it actually means that first apostles, second prophets, it, it's hard. Okay, again, this is Greek from the first century and we're in English in the 21st century. There's been a few years and a lot of difference. And so it's a minefield from the standpoint of people use verses like this to promote their own agenda. We use it to judge other people's beliefs. Uh, hey, see, in this list, you see where tongues is? It's at the bottom. It's not important. Why are you putting so much focus on it? What's really important is teaching. It's all about teaching the Word of God. You know, that's the most important. But we do that with all kinds of verses, don't we? I mean, we have a belief system. We have values, and we take and we interpret a verse or take a verse, and we use it to get our point across. I have a confession. I maybe have done that a couple of times. What I don't want us to lose in this is that what, Apostle is, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that there are gifts and there are some priorities, and maybe, church in Corinth, your focus on 
some of the more miraculous gifts, maybe you've lost focus of what truly is important. And if we look at all of 1 Corinthians, and what has Paul been saying all the way through 1 Corinthians? The most important thing is unity so that we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you notice in Paul's list, if you're going to desire to be an apostle, what does apostle do? Apostle goes into other areas where the gospel is not, and they preach the gospel. What does the prophet do? The prophet speaks the word of God. What does the teacher do? Teach the word of God. It's, it's the gospel. The priority is the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaiming it to the world. Remember what Paul said back a few chapters ago, I become all things to all men that by all means I might win some. It's the gospel. And I think if we really take a look at this, we'll see what the priority is of Paul. It helps us get a better handle of what Paul's trying to say. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 told his disciples these words as he's sending them out. He says, as you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely as you receive, freely give. So what I want us to see is not that miracles or tongues and those things are not important. They are important the power of and, it is the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, and it is the miracles. It is the healing. It is the tongue. It's the and. It's the kingdom. It is all of the gifts. They are all needed. And we see that in Jesus' words to his disciples. When you go, proclaim the, heaven is, the kingdom of heaven is near. And heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse those from epilepsy, drive out demons. Paul puts it in order of apostle, prophet, and teacher. And I, I think, this is my opinion, okay, partly because the church was so fo- focused on miracles. I, I wonder if the church was really focused on teaching and they were void of miracles if he would have changed that list a little bit. We don't know. It's my conjecture. Take it or leave it. My, my thing is I, I want us to stop getting divided over what gifts are most important. They all are. Paul says, um, as he comes to the end of this section, verse 31 He makes a statement that creates a question for me. He says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. So the question is, wait, does God appoint or am I to eagerly desire? Yes. The power of and. God does appoint. And we are to eagerly desire. Because this isn't the only place that 
Paul tells us to eagerly desire. We already talked about it earlier, 14.1, pursue love and eagerly desire the spiritual. 14.39, he brings it up again, eagerly desire prophecy, to prophesy. Three times in a couple of chapters, Paul says the same thing, eagerly desire the things of the Spirit. As I was prepping for this message and thinking about this, God appoints, eagerly desire, the wrestling. Um, this thought came to my mind. Many of us are eagerly desiring greater gifts, and we want certain gifts and Again, that's okay. The question is, um, what gifts am I desiring? And are they what I think is greater, or are they what God deems as greater for the kingdom of God? And also, another question came to mind. Am I faithful with the gifts God has already given me? Am I so desiring some other gifts that I don't have that I've forgotten about the gift that God has already given me? You see, God does reward us when we are faithful stewards with what He has given us. A couple times Jesus told parables of the talents and the gifts And the ones that were faithful with those talents were given more. But along with those talents come responsibilities. The kingdom of God, and this is what I think is part of the work out your salvation. Yes, we're saved by grace, but part of the working out your salvation is taking what God has given you and being a good steward with that. Taking the gifts that you have that God has given you for the body and using them with the body, it's thank you for giving me those gifts, serving and also desiring greater gifts. Probably about 20 years ago, um, I've been in full-time ministry a long time, needless to say, you know, I've already had a couple of the old jokes come my way today. Um, But I've had a passion since I was young to bear fruit for God's kingdom. I've had passion for more of His Spirit to do what He has called me to do. And probably about 20 years ago, um, a woman prayed over me, and she prayed Isaiah 61 over me and said, You are an oak of righteousness, Brad. People will come to you. You are this oak of righteousness, Maybe it might have gone to my head a little bit initially. Okay, so it did go to my head. Because God had to teach me that a part of becoming an oak of righteousness was that I had to recognize that I was broken and that I was put together by God. And that's the, those of you who've been around here and heard me tell the St. Cloud part of my story, that's where the brokenness came in. I'm an oak of righteousness today because of what God has brought me through. And a couple of years ago, someone here came and gave me a note and said, and this, 
um, because you have been faithful with the first three verses of Isaiah 61, I will give you verse 4. 4 being, you will rebuild and restore and renew the lost generations. You see, I could have bailed a number of times. I felt like bailing a number of times. But I just kept pursuing God. So my challenge for you teens and you young adults and you kids in this room, um, just serve. Discover the gifts that God has given you. Just serve. Serve whatever, he, whatever He's called you to do. Just, just serve with those gifts. Just, just serve. And earnestly desire more. Be faithful with what God has given you. Just be faithful and serve. And desire more. And, and here's what's going to happen. As you are faithful with what God has given you, and you steward that well, God's going to go, oh yeah, look at her. I'm going to give her a little more. And I'm going to give her a little more. Oh, I'm going to dump something on him right now. Boom. God has appointed and earnestly desire the greater gifts. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the fact that you choose to use us. Thank you for each gift that you have given to each person in this room. We give you glory and honor for appointing those gifts to us. I pray, Father, that as we work out our salvation, as we step forward and steward those gifts well, as we do all that we can to be faithful with what you have given us. I pray that you would reward our desire as we earnestly desire greater gifts. That you would give us greater responsibility. That you would give us greater power that we would not just be a place here where people just gather on Sunday morning, but we would be a place where we gather and receive and we go and we, and we spread our gifts around this community that lives would be transformed, that people would see that we are united, that we are in harmony, and they would go, they, their lives show that Jesus is from the Father. I pray that through this body that your name would be glorified, that people's lives would be transformed for your glory, that lost people would be found by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to divide into our community corners again today. For those of you who are visiting or new, we, we do this at the end of the service. We have uh, corners. Are we going to get a slide up on our, so people can see? Do we have that? 
So basically the dividing line is north and south of Broadway as it goes all the way to Forest Lake and then it's east and west of 35. So southeast is over there. If you are south and east, if you are south